Welcome to Madison Bookbeat, your listener-sponsored community radio home for local authors, topics, book events, and publishers. I'm your third-week host, Cole Erickson. Our guest today, who joins us in the studio, is Deshaun McKinney. Deshaun is a writer and poet out of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and currently lives in Madison. Deshaun is a member of the First Wave Hip Hop Arts community at UW-Madison, where he earned a BA in creative writing, pursuing his passion for service through his creative enterprises. He's built audiences with various projects around the world from Kingston, Jamaica to Norwich, England. He also holds a master's in social policy from London School of Economics and Political Science and a master's in creative writing poetry from the University of East Anglia. His poetry has appeared in multiple journals, including River Heron Review as a Poetry Prize winner. He is here with us today to discuss his debut chapbook, Father Forgive Me, which was published by Black Sunflowers Poetry Press in 2021. Deshaun, thanks for joining us and congrats on the book. Appreciate you for having me. Thank you. Thank you. It's a beautiful thing to have it out in the world. It's exciting to read. And um, I just want to say it's... uh, I saw that it was published in 2021, and um, uh, Black Sunflowers is a pretty new publisher as well. Mm -hmm, mm How does it feel to kind of have your debut poetry kind of come out during that pandemic time and and now kind of being more out, you know, in person here? Yeah, it's a a weird thing. I think when it, a couple of things on that point, right? Black Sunflowers is, this is essentially a part of their debut slate of uh, publishing as well. So I was a part of that kind of first cohort to figure out how do we do this thing and, and where does it go? And, and yeah. so it's, it's exciting to be able to build with them. Right? This is a small black woman led press um, and to be able to build from the ground up with them and be a part of laying a foundation for them to also go out. And now they've published multiple other slates of, of poets. That's been really exciting. But I think the weird thing about it coming out in the pandemic times, back when, you know, the, the dark ages where we were hardly going outside and you weren't seeing people and sneezes in a grocery store felt like Armageddon and all this stuff is, I didn't get to be as deep in community yeah. in the same way. Right? Like you want, you drop the, the book and then people absorb it. Then you want to be in their faces and you want to be seeing and hearing from people directly. How did this make you feel? And sharing space and doing readings and in public and none of that was acceptable. Happening. I would yeah. have to break the law to like go out exactly. and do those things. Right. So it was it's almost like a delayed gratification because now I'm able to be out in public and doing things. And I've done virtual readings and stuff, but it's not quite the same as being in space with people. So it's, it's, it's a, a weird thing, but I am grateful. Um, almost grateful that it happened during that time. Cause I think it did a lot for me. Like it came when it needed to come and working through the process of creating it and having it out in the world during that time when all of us were brought pretty low and struggling and trying to figure out life was I think important for me in my own growth and development. So I think it, it served its purpose ultimately um, for me as well as for other people who've resonated with the work. Yeah, definitely. It's um, poetry is really interesting because I mean, even just on this topic, it's t- it's such a I think personal and such an introspective kind of medium in some regards, at least you know for certain people. Um, and then and yet and especially when reading it and and we'll get into kind of the the poetry of 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 this book and everything and how I think just it can be so introspective and yet like you said it's it's something that is shared I mean a poem is kind of just scribbled down and to yourself until it is kind of out in the world and actually kind of interacted with other people and so it's um it's definitely a a complex kind of medium but i love i love hearing that that you that you're kind of out and you you sat with it a little bit and now you're kind of sharing it and whatnot so for yeah sure. pleasure to for have sure. you and you know to, one thing i want to say to that point though yeah. i think so much writing can be very personal kind of introspective and, and solitary in a lot of ways but the beauty of it is although the the process and the creation of it can be those things when you put it out into the world what it does is break open people Right? Mm-hmm. So other people yeah. open up as a result of whatever your introspection is. Sure. And like, I'm just exploring things for me. Yeah. You put it out there and people are like, I see myself from this. Mm. I feel I feel heard. I feel recognized. I realize I'm not alone or this has allowed me to escape. Whatever that thing may be. I think there's there's beauty in, in terms of the process being one thing, but it translates to something else out in the world that is a very universal thing. Definitely. Yeah. And, and, it, and it's just uh, it's kind of breaking that fear, too, I think. I mean, like there's nothing crazier than I think kind of especially poetry I mean poetry is just it's a very you know a lot of vulnerability I feel like it's there's not a lot of 
there's not a lot of um, kind of uh, like knobs and editing and stuff you can do as much. You know, it's not like music where it's like, oh, you know, it was a bad show and or like this was like, you know, a bad recording or anything. It's like it's very much static on the page. And mm-hmm. so it's it, it's always there, I think. I don't know. And so in a sense, it kind of becomes more vulnerable. And so, yeah, to put it out and to have it kind of in a book and really sitting on your shelf, I think it kind of. Um, yeah, it, it's a lot. It's a lot to. Uh, to put out there so so cheers yeah thank you um um in regards to the book and everything there's a lot i I just want to start off i guess with the title because i think this chat book was it felt very cohesive to me i mean it was a lot of different things happening throughout a lot of different um types of uh poems you know there's there's hip-hop elements and then there was a lot of you know at times just especially the last one a lot of just pouring out and everything there was you know a lot of different dynamics and yet um, I felt kind of a, a cohes- cohesive kind of um, uh, feeling and with different themes and emotions. And so I, and I think the, the title kind of really underlined it and also the titles of the works kind of helped underline it too. So um, if you want to just talk about maybe w- what was the feeling and what we were exploring, what themes um, with this book, um, if it was intentional or what you explored with it. Yeah. yeah. Well, first, uh, thank you for that word cohesive. Cause I think that's a beautiful way to describe it. Like any artist would be like, yes, thank you. <laughs> that's what I want people to see because there's always a vision yeah. for the thing. Right. Even if oftentimes it could be like, I don't know what this person was doing, but they're like, this makes perfect sense. What do you mean? So yeah. it's nice <laughs> to hear that. For sure. Um, yeah. and somebody see the work from that perspective, I think. So the title is father, forgive me, right. Which is a branch off of forgive me, father, for I have sinned. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, this is really, Father, forgive me. And there's a poem in the text is, For you have sinned, um, which is kind of this reversal of what that is. And for me, this is work that is really dealing with generational trauma, kind of how things are almost these ghosts are passed down through the family lineage um, for people who have. We've all gone through something. We all have our skeletons, our demons, our pains, our traumas. And we inadvertently and sometimes intentionally and consciously pass these things down in where we interact with uh, our kids and our siblings and our so on and so forth, right? So it's, it's dealing with that and dealing with the idea of forgiveness, right? When So often when we're wronged, harmed, or hurt, we're taught to forgive and told to forgive. Like, that's what you have to do to move on. You have to forgive to find peace. You have to and the onus is on the person that's been hurt to do this thing. Yeah. And I'm somebody who, I don't know if I believe that in the same way, right? I think that I'm a forgiving person, but I also think that that, I think I became curious about, well, what does it look like if you don't? Yeah. What does it mean if you don't? Can you find peace without forgiving necessarily? Does everybody deserve that forgiveness, right? Do, does your spirit need that forgiveness, or is there some utility to, to moving on without having given that last piece? To yeah. the, the person who harmed you. That's like the last thing you have that's yours in that situation. Do I also have to surrender that to make this person, to unburden myself, which also unburdens that person from whatever happened? Do I have to do that? And so this is a text that's grappling with that and, and about how that trauma follows you throughout your journey of life. Mm-hmm. And then you have to grapple with that idea of forgiveness. And so I wanted to explore those themes. And the title, Father, Forgive Me, is an interesting thing because it talks about the complications with inherent within that when you're somebody who's been hurt, but you can feel like, well, what did I do wrong? Yeah. Right. So often you, people ask that question of like, is, you want to trace it back to something. Well, they're treating me like this and I must have done something to provoke this. I must be wrong somehow. I want to build and, and work on myself. And so I think that's kind of where the title came from. But then the, for you have sinned is the other side of it. It's like knowing, but you're the one who did the wrong. Mm. You've you've perpetuated the harm, and that is the the psychological conflict that exists for so much of the trauma that we all experience. We've all had those kind of moments where you're trying to figure out well, what is going on here, knowing the other person is the one who did the harm, but you're trying to f- seek that forgiveness and like I'm I can do better. And so again, that's that grappling that I wanted to evoke within the the title itself, um, and tie it back to the religiosity. You know, I think there's something although I'm not somebody who's steeped in faith necessarily i'm somebody who is very close to it at all times even if i'm not trying to be <laughs> you yeah. know it comes up in the work a lot and things like that too so that's the other time well it, it definitely i mean with with the title father forgive me too and um I, I i don't think it goes unnoticed that the it's father forgive me with a lowercase f and that kind of i i don't know if that's intentional or not but that right away kind of gave a sense of you know it's it's religiosity but it's you know also just very 
close and humble and to home to just like a father figure and everything. For sure. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Yep, yep. That's exactly it. It's like it's invoking both. Right? Yeah. It's like yeah. it's it's this the religious father, the all seeing, all knowing father, but also just father. Just yeah. dad. Mm-hmm. Right. And grappling with that in the home. And they both kind of become the same thing at times. Like they're or like For sure. or completely different. You know, yeah, it's like yeah. and, and that's the comp, especially looking mm-hmm. through a kid's eyes, right? Like yeah. which is again this this the work, the book takes you through different points in somebody's life, but you know, there are those poems that are very much from a child's eyes and trying to figure this thing out, like what's going on. Yeah. Um, and that thing of like those two figures kind of blending together, you know, like your father figure, your parents are, you rely on them for everything. Yeah. Right. And so they become that figure until you can nuance the world a bit more, mm-hmm. but they always hold that unique place in, in your life, the kind of yeah. unique position in terms of how you look at them. So that is uh, embedded in the title for sure. Yeah, it, it definitely the the identity I think and and we'll hope we'll get to a uh, one of we'll get to a hopefully a couple of poems, um, but yeah that that I think one thing that really stuck out in in reading all these poems is how yeah that that identity of with when it comes to like family and and you know specifically father how much that you know I, I think all of us yeah we have to grapple or it's that forgiving aspect right it's like. Okay, I I am you know I am the the son or daughter or, or of my parents, and that's that's a big identity thing. And sometimes you don't want that identity, you know. And it's weird. It's like how do you yeah how do you wrestle with what your identity is and what you want it to be? And um, it, it's very messy. Yeah, I, one one line I forget what poem it's in, but I love it's the the forgiving. Forgiving to not forgive, and whether I think I'm I'm completely paraphrasing and probably <laughs> and butchering it, but but that aspect of yeah, maybe finding like you were kind of saying, finding peace and and the not forgiving or kind of yeah. what holds with you, what what stays with you. Maybe we should go with a poem now. I think uh, the one you mentioned is maybe a good one to uh, to go with. Um, it's called yeah, for you have sinned. Um, I think it's page twenty three. Perfect. So you want me to just go into it? Yeah, I I would love that. That'd be great. Yeah, so this is For You Have Sinned. In my earliest, earliest memory, I am five. There is a sidewalk on which I am running, maybe marveling at how the sky got all the way up there, wanting to ask if God was a painter. Maybe in those seconds it felt possible to learn how to control a brush. Maybe I thought about asking for one I don't know or won't remember because I am five. There, legs out and not yet too chubby to be fed affection, on a sidewalk under a clear sky and my feet catch in the cracks, God's canvas disappears and I see red. Everything is red. I am red. Cement chews through my knee. Someone's hands carry me somewhere that looks like home and I am red. Tears hot, burning face and scalding knee and somewhere close you are a drill sergeant. Familiar, without hesitation, like you've been here before. Stop crying. Man up. A Marine again. Like you've been shot three times so your son should dismiss this pain. And this is profound. I know that is what a man is. Even how to become one. But a boy? Thank you. Um, Yeah, that... That last that last line specifically, um, and I think you've somewhat explored that in other poems um, in this book too, in in one way or the other. But that that to become a man is one thing, mm-hmm. um, but to and I like that aspect to become a boy maybe, or to how to let be a boy, mm-hmm. and um, I, I think that was I think that's a very interesting way of framing kind of as any of us kind of go through life or or processing childhood in different ways of you know how 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 much of a child were we how much of a child are we allowed to be yeah. um now in adulthood or 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 then you know i think it's a it's a question i think as a parent you're thinking about it's a question yeah as you're processing um i think it's a very good question to keep asking um and um yeah, do you do you feel do you feel like you constantly wrestle with the with that aspect of are you a boy, are you a man, are you were you? I mean, is that is that a is that something you question with when you're kind of writing? Is that kind of an idea or 
I think it's it's less so like what am I and and more so about like what was I allowed to be and how has that informed who I've become. Hmm. Right. I think that question of again, what are we allowed to be yeah. is is a very interesting thing. And I think so critical in this idea of man and what a man is should be so often interferes with what a boy needs to be to get to a man to be a fully formed empathetic complete human being you need to go through boyhood as a journey which means you need to be allowed to feel you should be allowed to cry to 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 experience the pain and the heartache and the sorrow and the dramatics of being a child yeah you should be able to cry in the same way that your sister is allowed to you should be able to throw tantrums every now and then of course you can be disciplined and talk to and think but it shouldn't be you're this young, you need to be a man, yeah. or you're the man of the house. Because I think that's that in, in ways stunts growth, right? I think as a kid, you know, this is actually one of the last poems I wrote for the book, and it became a foundational one. And it's one of the last poems, and it's my earliest memory in life, mm. which is, again, this, it's just this experience of me at five walking down the sidewalk hurting myself. Like, literally, there's still a, you still see the scar on my knee today. There's this giant really? hole that burst in my knee just from falling on the sidewalk. It was like a huge yeah. gash. And the idea of being five and being told to man up or to be a man yeah. and having that expectation put upon you changed my life. I was a I was a, a, a crying kid. I was a yeah. very like <laughs> same. Like, yeah, like I was a very emotional kid, you yeah. know. And I think that was stamped out of me very early. Mm. And then I became very stoic. And then as I grew older, I became very cold. Yeah. And I'm walking around with this screw face and this mask on, and I'm and I'm unfeeling. Uh, and and I had to unlearn so much to recapture those things because you realize like that's not a healthy way to move through life either hmm. to be this to be this hard this stone right and, yeah and, and that the stone position sure i could fight somebody i can protect somebody but can i love somebody yeah right yeah. can i hold somebody in the same way can i can i hold the, the weight that the burden that they need me to in terms of the emotions when they're going through something i couldn't not in the way that i needed to because i didn't get to go through that journey and i think we're doing a disservice to our young boys, when we try to force them to, to become a man too early. Yeah. And I also think we do a disservice to all of us when we try to pigeonhole the idea of manhood as if those things don't coexist, like as, as if manhood is not a well-rounded thing. And mm-hmm. I, I think that's terrible and very harmful that we, that we do that to each other. Not to say that there isn't value in some of the traditional things we associate with manhood and masculinity, yeah. but I think that there's a whole other side that we're, that we're disrupting that only pulls all of us down. Well, and and it, I think too it 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 brings up a subject of power in my mind because I think there's a sense of with like manhood or that aspect of just like, you know, you got to be power you got to you got to hold that in. It's a vulnerability that emotion and to be to be stoic or whatnot as you're saying is kind of to to protect and whatnot. And but you bring up that point of like, yeah, I can I can fight somebody or whatever. I can but but can I love somebody? And it, it kind of brings up that idea of like what's actually more powerful. You know what I mean? Sure, like sure. like is um yeah, I mean sure you can you know, you can hold your own, but what about yeah, what about stepping down or being vulnerable and loving Yo, somebody? I actually and, love yeah. that you brought that up. Right. So mm. I'm a huge fight fan. Uh, I love okay. I love yeah. combat sports. Um and the that idea of what's more powerful is is very relevant to this. I think when you think about people who literally hurt people for a living, yeah, but those are not the people who are getting into street fights. Mm. Yeah, like literally, they could, yeah, that you know, they they could do great harm <laughs> to mm-hmm. all of us, to say the least. But it's about the discipline of knowing when to hold that back, right? Definitely. And I think that's important to think about of who's really the strongest person out here, right? Let's think of. Tyson Fury. How many of us can do anything to Tyson Fury? Not yeah. one. I would never. <laughs> right? He's like three hundred pounds, six nine, beating everybody up. For sure. But he can he can compose himself out in the world, mm. right? And so you think about what's real power. It's I'm not hurting people just because. Mm. I'm not hurting people because of my ego. Yeah. That is bruised, right? I'm not falling into this narrow-minded uh, idea of what masculinity or manhood needs to be. Mm. And so I think that is that's a trick. Yeah, that we're taught and what it results in if you look at how so many folks are moving through the world men are imploding because they're holding so much in like so often in our friendships we're not taught that you can cry on another man's shoulder we're you're not, not taught no. right like that's not you're not taught that yeah. you can share some of that some of that dark stuff like what's bothering you right mm. like that's not the stuff when you're young that you talk about you're talking about parties you're talking about girls you're talking about yeah. sports you're talking about whatever a lot of my friendships when i was younger 
they didn't blossom until later in college or afterwards where we're really talking and sharing emotions and saying I love you and doing all these things. But we had to learn that by having to go through a process of unlearning all the other, the stoic nature that we mm. grew up in. Right? And now we can share with each other. But what would life have been like if we could share with each other when we're going through it? You know, because you're feeling all that at that moment. So yes. it's, it's wasted time. It's For dishonesty. Sure. I mean, it is still very much there. And it's For sure. it's kind of I mean, one one thing that it, it brings up to, I think, is is um, I, I just recently recently saw my family. And it's like in that in that aspect of saying goodbye, it's like it, you have that feeling of like, oh, OK, but we didn't but we didn't hash it out. We didn't have the all those gushy, good, bad, you know, all these messy feelings that sometimes you're, or with friends or whatever, but like you kind of realize it's like, oh, oh, it's, it's over. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I, I had, I had all this expression that I still have in me and continuously do. And, and kind of like you said with the analogy of the fighter, it's, it's a craft, right? So, I mean, and you kind of maybe see it with, with poetry too. It's like a, a good poem is to be, is to be eloquent in its own messy way, right? You're still, you're still needing to craft it and and trying to figure out how to say, how to be vulnerable, how to love. It's still something that isn't. It's it's not easy just mm-hmm. because it's maybe more. Um, I don't know from the gut. It's still it, yeah. It's a it's a power that needs to be crafted. For sure. For sure. Um, you talk a lot about. Um, vulnerability and i when i i saw on your website um a beautiful essay not to not to go off of the of the poetry book but i saw a wonderful essay on your it was i think a blog post yeah um it's called um for for black boys who never got to be soft um i i have the quote here um i was gonna read it if you want to um i just think it's a great passage um in a yeah, yeah, I see it. Okay, I haven't looked at this. In yeah. <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. I just, yeah, I, yeah. Uh, I write to free myself into truth. I write to dream myself into a possibility. I think we can be soft and still protect ourselves and our peoples. In fact, I think we'll, we would become better at it. I hope I never tell my son to man up when he is still learning to boy. I want that time to fit him snug. My boy will flee for him, and I will kiss all of his twists and tangles, let him stumble over himself and ask questions, seek answers to the complexities of trying on black and man until he finds the right size. Yeah. That's pretty good. Hey, who wrote yeah. that, huh? Yeah, That's I know, right? <laughs> I know. I was like, I'm like, man, this guy, like, he can write poetry, but he can write prose, too, and stuff. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, no, I and I think, too, especially going off of, reading um the poetry book and then seeing that too it was just a good like it was an interesting translation of kind of yeah that aspect of like what you know what we're that free form that what we put on and just all these different things um yeah. i think it's really interesting and you know th- i think in, in a lot of ways that essay is a continuation of the chat book because yeah. it's about you know i talked about the lineal nature of how things are passed down and this is how do you when you break the cycle and you interrupt it, mm. what's then passed down, right? So there I'm talking yeah. about for, for my son, if I have a son, what I would want to pass down. And what I want to pass down is the freedom for them to boy. Mm. Right? Yeah, exactly, them, to be that give, boy. Yeah, I want yeah. to. Like, I want you to cry, and mm. I want you to know that you can come to me. Yeah. That I'm a safe space for you to inhabit, right? Like, mm. in, in the home space is safe for you to develop and to grow and, and go through all the machinations of, you know, existence and trying to figure out who am I in this world. So when you go out into the world, you engage with it in that way. And so that you're not, again, that you're not imploding, right? There's this, my favorite interview of all time, it is James Baldwin, Nikki Giovanni. Mm, uh, I know that. Is a, it's incredible, right? Yeah, there's, there's, yep. there's a section in particular, and this is, you know, this is racial that they're talking about, but Baldwin is talking about how when men go out into the world, black men have to deal with all the degradation and disrespect from, from white men back in that time. You have to be put down all the time and the yes sirs and the all the so on and so forth, right? And he talks about, when he comes home to your, your woman, that they get all that because you have no outlet, mm-hmm. right? Out in the world, you can't you can't attack these white men. You can't talk back. You know that destroys your whole world essentially. And then she and she's like, well, if you pretend with them, why can't you pretend with me too? Right? Mm-hmm. I want the same. I, I deserve your I deserve your love too. Right? If you're wearing a mask out there, wear one with me too. Mm-hmm. The reason I bring that up 
is because I think that when I talk about the idea of man imploding, right, we're pretending when we're with our boys. We're out in the world. We're doing interviews. We're in front of cameras, shooting music videos, doing all this stuff. And our mask is saying, I'm good. Mm. Right? I'm popping. I'm having fun. People think I'm attractive. <laughs> I'm yeah. strong. I'm powerful. I'm threatening. Yeah. Right? All those things that like we're like, that's a man. Mm-hmm. And then you go home and your, your, your girl, your partner, whoever, your family, your kids, they get all the real. Yeah. All the stuff that's been bottled up and that's building up on you. It comes out somewhere. Exactly. We, there's, there's, there's no way to avoid it coming out somehow. Mm-hmm. And who suffers as a result, right? So when we, when we don't, it's not, we're not only destroying ourselves, we're destroying our families, but destroying communities by not allowing ourselves a full spectrum of existence. And it, it's terrible for yeah. us, you know what I mean? Like it's just, there's so much bad that reverberates from this idea, the, the narrow-minded idea of what a man is, that I just like, I, I want to pass down something different. And even when I'm, when I'm out in schools and I'm teaching and stuff now and I'm mentoring young folks, I want to pass them something else down. I want them to see me and be like, it's cool to be free. Yeah. Right? You don't got to walk around with the screw face. You don't need to mug people all the time. Right? Like, you can enjoy things. Be a nerd about something. Right? Like, just, just be, be human mm-hmm. in, in, in a, a pure form. It, um, it speaks to, I think... Um I, I know you you said a ma- it's a master's in in social policy is that right mm-hmm. yeah and um, I always think it's um, I th- you think you bring up a great point in regards to community too um, because it, it there's an aspect of practice that is your honest self and kind of yeah how how do you express that self and how do you make bonds with different people how do you empathize and just sympathize for those who aren't experiencing I mean I I, one thing when I was going through college, um, two of my buddies, they had, they had real rough times with their dad. Um, and my, you know, I, I didn't my, and, and it was, it was in talking about that, that really got me to an interesting place of how, how you can sometimes not empathize, how, you know, in certain ways there's, there's a community that needs to build past that, what you have an experience and yet still, try to get down to it and try to understand and listen and be the best you can in that. And I think that's another type too of like you, you quote that vulnerability is a muscle and in one of the poems. And I think that's great because it's that strength of just on all sides of the person who's expressing it to you. Mm -hmm. And then the person receiving at the same time, it's like, what do I do with this information? What do I do with this thing that I, I have never I've never experienced, never heard about. And I think that that vulnerability, that sense of expression and, and figuring out and being messy together and everything is that sense of, you know, kind of creating community, I think, which is... For sure. Yeah. For sure. And with that, too, when you think about what a muscle is or think about the experience of not mm. having worked out something yep. and then needing to go out in public to try, it's scary. It's painful. It's, 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 there's, yeah. there's so much to it of, like, I'm worried that I'm going to be judged for this. I'm worried that I'm not going to 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 match up with other people who've already been working this thing. I'd imagine when you're first starting to go to a gym. Yep. And there's people here <laughs> benching NFL numbers and, you know, oh, people you don't want to be there. It's all types of, you know, Instagram <laughs> folks. They're flexing. They're doing whatever. And you're like, I don't even know how this thing works. Like, Mm-mm. when do I get to use equipment? Do people, you know, like, what weight do I start? What is the correct way? Like, that idea of it's it, the whole... Vulnerability is not only a muscle, but the space in which to to work it out is a vulnerable thing to do. The space. And so Mm -hmm. it's like when I when I say that vulnerability is a muscle, I'm also calling for us to create space for people to work it out. Yeah. Because you because otherwise, you know, if if I'm trying to be if I open up to you for the first time and you laugh or you like, come on, man, don't don't hit me with that. I shut down again. Cause I'm like, right, I'm like, all right, man, you're right. I'm just, I was tripping. Let's get back to whatever. Exactly. And then I bottle that up again, and who knows when it'll come out, if ever, because yeah. it feels like, oh, this is not, that's not what this is. So I, I now feel like this is not a safe, like you are not a safe space for me to express the pain or these other emotions that aren't anger exactly. or joy. Yeah. Right. So there's a whole spectrum aside from those things that I'm not allowed to express. And if you shut that down, then I'm gonna, it's gonna come back inside until eventually, again, if I'm not able to let it out. It's gonna blow sometime. It'll come out. Right? Yeah, some it'll point. come out. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it 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 silos you. It silos me. You know, it, yeah. both of us. Anything too. It's it's that community, and that's where it's it's. I I love your your dual um, education, and I think the, how much that um, 
that poetry and that uh, social policy too. I, I thought that was really interesting, and, and yeah, it it really hits kind of a a good important um, um, aspect. I want I I think this is a good time to um, read uh, home. I think it's probably my favorite poem of the nice, chapbook, nice. and I think because you brought up space, and I love what you do um, with that aspect of space um, in this poem. Um, yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Home. Home is where I must flee to feel most myself. It is a marble block from which to chip necessities. Back all heavy with bootleg DVDs, boarded windows and gated doors, crumpled fenders, obscene exhaust, lip-smacking mothers who laugh like thunder and grannies who yell when you bring outside scents in. Big booties and sundresses and the eyes glued on them, glasses with anti-glare coating so I can look directly at the diamonds dancing in the UPS driver's mouth, pockets runneth over with city bus wrappers, knowing glances exchanged, careful peeks after the pop firecrackers when ain't no independence to be celebrated, heads ringing with the motorcades of speeding sirens and memories of a world seen through window panes, within which I became intimate with the process of unmaking. The sharp crack of fat and fat and ass fired at my chest, the impossible length of a duplex hallway when a barking dog sits at the other end. How easy you trip when that dog doesn't heal after being reminded its name is father. The pressure at which self-esteem is penetrated by canines, the incessant dig and wondering how long it must take to retrieve what is buried. Home is where I must flee to do my best work. Soon I will have carved a full face. Thank you. Um, I love, I think, immediately when I read that poem, that first, the first line, um, just using that imagery of marble mm -hmm. to carve out. I mean, sometimes you really do, and, and the title, I mean, home. So sometimes you have to, I think, um, yeah, go away to figure out kind of what you left, yeah. you know, and that negation, that weird sense of you have to, get rid to to kind of seek out and that that marvel that marvel is just such a a picture in my mind of just kind of what you do with yourself what you believe and kind of what you find and how it's in there sometimes more than it's more than an accumulation sometimes it's more yeah it can be sometimes narrowing um i also like too that how it's immediately you were you expressed getting away from home and yet you went so well into the imagery of it. Yeah, yeah. And I think that really speaks to that sense of kind of what we were saying of how you can you can kind of not forgive things or kind of not like things in your life, but it's going to hang. You know, that those memories and, and everything are going to kind of sustain and be there. Yeah. And what do you do with them, right? What do you do with that marvel since they are, since like how do you, um, I, don't, I think that was just, it was, yeah. And that's why it's, I think, my favorite poem is just that, how that, how that worked. Um, yeah, I, you know, I, yeah. I, I appreciate that a lot. And, you know, I'm from, I'm from Milwaukee, born and bred, rep the city to death. I mean, I've got it tatted on my arm, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. this is, that's home for sure. But I think uh, the folks who are around my age, coming from Milwaukee, most of us dreamed of getting out. Mm. Right? Milwaukee is, at, at times, the most segregated city in the country. Right. And that's by design. And so I grew up on the north side where most black people grew up in Milwaukee. And there's, you know, it's almost like that. This, ex this experiment of segregation and redlining and gerrymandering and all these things. And you kind of herd people into this one section. And what you do is you strip the resources away and then you see what happens. That's right? the title is, of one of the poems, too, which I love. <laughs> and um, then this yeah. is and then, you know, with manufacturing leaving and the, the whole Rust Belt is is dealing with this where people now yeah. I don't have this this foundation of job and I financial freedom that I can bring to my family yeah and and now you're just left with how to survive and when so much is focused on survival it's a tough place to grow up so there's that you know that idea of the the beginning is like home is the place where I must flee but then there's just this vivid detail of what's home I right? like that I grew up uh I, my parents didn't we didn't have a car or anything so when I say city bus rappers I very much know mm -hmm people who are on a bus with no headphones on and they're going, you know what I mean? Like that's it's a part of the city, the, the VVS is in the, the delivery driver's mouth. It's the first thing when I saw when I went back to Milwaukee after being gone uh, uh, for graduate school and I came back, 
had something my luggage that I shipped get delivered. A grill, diamonds dancing in the mouth, but a delivery driver. It's the first thing I saw when I got home, and it let me know, like, I'm back. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, I love Milwaukee. I love yeah. the language. I love the culture. I love the way we dress. I love the dances that we have, the, the vocabulary. And I feel so comfortable in that f- space, and I feel like I feel seen. In, in, in a weird way, because I feel seen by not being looked at. Because mm. people don't have to. I'm just yeah. a person. Like, yeah. I think in Madison, in some spaces in Madison, like where I work in these other places, I'm pretty unique. Mm-hmm. As an entity, right? The way I talk, the way I look, and all this other stuff. In Milwaukee, I'm just a guy. Mm. This is who we are. And so I love that. Um, at the same time, there was a, a Milwaukee's associated with, with so much struggle and hardship and that trauma and this idea of survival. Like, my, so much of my life was just focused on survival. Well, you couldn't see bigger and think bigger. It was just about what do I need to do to get out of this malaise that I'm stuck in? And that's the complexity of home that I wanted to kind of convey. And I think most of us have some kind of duality to whatever home is. For Whatever we went through, it's just exactly. that weird thing of like, I love this place. It kind of made me, but also I got to go. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right? like, and that's just, it, For sure. it's that weird thing that happens. But, you know, I, I always show love to the city. And I think that there's so much untapped brilliance in that space. And I, I also think when I see what's going on now, and especially with young men, I think about the Kia boys and all this other stuff that's happening in Milwaukee. And I think how much pressure could we release by giving people the the ability to feel and just kind of a, a space to be loved yeah right and like to be careful like to let them know like yo i'm not gonna abandon you mm-hmm. right like i see you and there's something beautiful here when i look at you like you're not just i'm not dismissing you you're not this super predator you're not this whatever the thing is right like you're not just some gangbanger you're not just violence you're not just the all the negative associations we put with young black and boy you're not that yeah. Right. And like, how much could we do if we if we gave that love to these young men, mentored them, showed them space, gave them space to to vent um, and just to be held? You know, I think I think about all those things and even me, like, how would I be different if I had got those same things? So, you know, I want to I want to wrap my arms around the city um, as much as I show the, the complexity in it. Going outside of the city or going outside of your home or going anywhere, you know, it teaches you that vulnerability again. And of just like kind of what you're saying of like, what is a group of people that you haven't seen before and being within that versus just or versus, you know, seeing a community of people versus seeing one person too. Mm-hmm. How did um, you've you've been to Kingston, Jamaica? I don't know. Yeah. Can you tell can you tell us a little bit about your experience in Kingston, Jamaica and then also Norwich, England and how yeah, much time oh, you spent in both those places and kind of going off of place, what what you took from those places. Yeah, very different because I, I did my grad school in England, so I was over there almost three years. But Kingston was uh, for a research um, colloquium. It's called the International Colloquium on Black Males in Education. And it's in different places each year. And two years I went, once was in Atlanta, once was in uh, Kingston. And we went there uh, to present on research. I, at this point, I have no idea what I presented on. <laughs> I, was, I, was, <laughs> yeah. I was quite young. That's like eight, nine years ago, maybe. But what I remember most from that trip is, so we were at the, you know, there's university that we were there um, staying at and we're in hotels and stuff like that. I remember when we moved around Kingston, two things I want to point out. One, when we moved around Kingston, we had armed guards. Mm driving through certain neighborhoods and the whoever you know the folks who organized this i guess they felt the necessity to do that and that stuck out to me because this is one of the first times in my life where i was on the other side of the glass so i'm riding through these neighborhoods in like a coach bus and i see people on the streets looking at us like who are these people Mm, yeah and so it's it's a weird like you get out of this place and then you you have moments that remind you never to forget that place and never to become distant because I never want to be the person on the other side of the glass because I get that same look. If I see a coach bus on the north side of Milwaukee, I'm like, what's going on? Who are these people? Yeah. Right? Like, I don't want to feel like if people think I'm looking at them like they're animals in the zoo. I don't want to be that kind of thing, right? So that was one thing, and it was a reminder that it's easy to get caught up in these academic spaces and all these accomplishments and forget where you came from and look at those people differently and move differently around those people. I don't ever want to do that. And I want to check myself or have people check me if I fall into that. The other thing that was important about Kingston is we we did a a school visit. Now, this was only supposed to be for the professors and the administrators, and they were all going to go. And I remember I told them, I'm like, I want to go too. And so uh, they brought me along. It was this boys' school. And we were talking about college access and all this stuff. 
And then I asked for some time to talk to him because I'm like, y'all are like 40s, 50s, you know, very different. Yeah. And I'm like in college, I'm an undergrad, like maybe a sophomore at most, not too far removed from these kids. The same thing that they're going through growing up in Kingston, that's Milwaukee. So I wanted to talk to him. And I, I talked to him a little bit and then I performed for him as well. And so many of them came up to me afterwards. All these young boys talked to me. And there's one guy who I still talk to to this day. Um, and, and keep in touch with it and just check up on them. You know what I mean? Like, that to me, yeah. it was like, that's that experience. That's and that's it, why yeah. that's important of, like, any way that I can be a mentor, an outlet, a companion, you know what I mean? Just a shoulder, an ear, whatever, yeah. to, to these young boys, I want to do that. And I want to make their path easier than mine for having opened some doors for them. So, like, whatever struggle I went through to get where I'm at, it should be easier for you to get where I'm at and then go past me. Because I should have, you know, I should have greased the wheels, so to speak, right? Yeah. So that's that's Kingston. Um, Norwich was, <laughs> whew, that's a whole other bag. You know, it was uh, one of my closest friends now. He was also, so Norwich, England is uh, UNESCO World City of Literature. It's this random small town east coast of England. It's like 90 minutes, I think, uh, east and slightly north from London, along the coast. But it's all about literature. It's one of the top creative writing schools in, in the country. And so they're cranking out all these award-winning writers and stuff. So I'm like, I want to go with the big dogs. If I'm going to fly somewhere, I want to see if I'm yeah. good enough. Like, let's see if I can do what y'all talking about. So I end up there, and <laughs> it's exactly what it is. I, what I, my most vivid image of Norwich is there's all these people tatted up from, from every limb pushing strollers around. It's like, really? it's yeah. like full sleeves and full leg sleeves, and there's a dad with a stroller. With with that and I, and I and I love that about Norwich, um, but everything in that town is is focused on literature. There's always readings going on. They have their fiction programs are kind of you know world renowned and especially their crime fiction. I guess that's a huge thing. Oh uh, yeah. Um, okay. And I was in I took, did my poetry master there and spent about a year and a half I think in Norwich. And one of my closest friends, his name is Troy. He's uh from Kenya, and this program was his first time out of the continent of Africa. And we would always have these moments like, bro, how did we get here? Yeah. <laughs> like these, yeah, two, yeah. these two black kids end up in Norwich, England, of all places, <laughs> studying and writing. We were like, what's going on, man? You know, so Norwich, as much as I will take shots at Norwich for fun, it does have a special place in my heart because I spent so much time there. And it's it's a place that I'm grateful I spent time in because I spent the, the other year and a half in London, which is my favorite city in the world. But it's very much not representative of England. In the same way that New York is nothing like the United States, right? They're yeah. more they're more like each other than they are the countries they inhabit. So you okay. don't know. It's not like giving you a sense of life in the country, but Norwich is much more like what life is in England, right? It's a smaller town. It's just people getting by, doing their thing. And I'm grateful for having experienced that and know that space so well. Mm-hmm. Last year, when I went back to England for the first time since 2020, I made sure to to stop in Norwich just to like walk through the memories and and yeah. experience that. But I think. I'm I'm grateful just for the experience. I think there's there's something beautiful and humbling about traveling. Mm-hmm. And I try to that's another thing I wanna I try to you know, I've got friends, Denzel, if you you know, when you listen to this, get that passport, brother. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to I'm trying to get people to yeah. do it and I pressure them because it's I think something happens when you get it. You're like, Oh, I gotta use it. Yeah. And when you use it, you're like, Oh, the world is mine. It's accessible in ways mm-hmm. that before you do that, it doesn't feel like it. Yeah. Everything feels so distant. But then when you get that first stamp and you go out of the country, walk through customs you're like, oh, wow. And it changes you. And I think particularly as Americans who we've had the privilege of the world looking at us yeah. since the end of the Cold War. And so we haven't had to look out in the same way. And so we've had, you know, we have a bit of a different psyche than a lot of places around the world. And so I think it's so important to go humble yourself. Go put yourself in somebody else's context yeah. and experience that and feel that and see how it changes you, how you grow, and then also how you can pull other people up along those journeys. So my, my work and just the way I move through the world is deeply informed by all the travels that I've been grateful and privileged to to have taken. It's um, I I completely agree. I think I think traveling is really important. I think the art of traveling is is unnoticed and kind of what you do in travel. And and I I think that's something I always wrestle with is um, I think whether if you do have the privilege to travel. Um, I think still what remains sometimes hard or messy or interesting is how you how you get in touch, how you get in touch with people. I think a lot mm-hmm. of people can travel and get a superficial or For kind sure. of, you know, you talk about community, you talk about Milwaukee and kind of how, how much you saw of it, you know, growing up there and everything. And 
and I think it's always really interesting whether you're traveling within the state. I just got my passport, haven't left though, but just oh, but you will now. Yeah, I, yeah, have, yeah. But, yeah. But 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 just even from state to state and everything, or or just different places. You know, I always wonder. It's like how much am I, how much am I understanding community versus how much am I being a tourist? Yes. Yeah. And I think that and it's difficult. It's, it's, it's not, right. I'm not, I'm not here to say that. Yeah. That traveling is accessible to everybody or that is yeah. it's easy to, to humble yourself and be in somebody else's context because those things can be scary. And there's a lot of different uh, things you have to be aware of depending on who you are. And, you know, if you're a woman is traveling is way different than if you're a man. I think I have a certain freedom that other people yeah, don't, you know, as, sure. as other women don't. And so I don't want to discount those things, but, there's so much beauty in it. If you oh, can, for sure. you know what I mean? Yeah, I, and exactly. I, and so I, I will always push people to to, to do that and, mm-hmm. and go. And then also try to find that balance. You know, I'm not saying the whole trip you got to go live in somebody's house. No, for, I know, you know right? what I mean? It's but like, like you, yeah. find ways to, mm-hmm. or just even if it's just conversation, striking up conversations exactly. with other people. You know what yeah, I mean? I yeah. think there's something, and you, what you'll find is that like people are mostly happy to talk and open mm-hmm. to share and like excited for you to be in their space and will welcome you. Um, and I also think as as Americans, too, there's still a lot of privilege in moving around the world. People are excited to see Americans. As much as there's a lot of stuff where they look at us like y'all are goofy and what's going yeah. on. Like, yeah. They're like, what's going on with your politics? Are y'all caught up in the superficial and y'all don't know geography and all this other stuff? Yeah. There's still there's still a lot of excitement around the world. Like all the places I've been, people are very excited to see Americans. You know, Like I had people in, in England tell me how much they love my accent. I'm like, what are you talking about? Yeah, <laughs> right? yeah. But they do. And it's like this. So in the same way that we, you know, kind of romanticize these other places there's some some of that that happens here as well and, and what that all that does is just allow us a point of connection yeah. right yeah. and for us to come together and just see that we're all just people it that connection is key and keeping yeah keep making those and then the that that muscle of vulnerability i think how you really get that connection i mean i think it really kind of comes full circle as far as what this poetry book is about just kind of what you're doing I, it's really admirable i want to before we go we're running out of time are you currently a part of the um, the project in Madison, the the writing project with Art Lit Lab? Was that something you you did? Can you speak a little bit yeah, about that? Yeah, yeah. it was uh, great. This is the All Stories project um, that I was uh, happy to be a part of. They, uh, I didn't know about Art Lit Lab. It wasn't here last time I was in Madison. So it's, it's this beautiful space, and they have a, a beautiful poetry library that somebody wanted to donate my book to, and that's how I got connected. And they had gotten this national grant to pair artists with educators. And I think somebody fell out of the project, which was my great fortune, because <laughs> I think they had to do something else. And I just got back to town. They reached out, and I, I was brought on. And I had this the, the joy of going out to Verona High to teach poetry uh, to these seniors. And it was it was such a beautiful experience. And I think that was really the catalyst for me. I've been doing a ton of teaching now. And I always thought that, like, that's not my lane. And I don't yeah. think I could do it, like, eight periods or whatever you have throughout the day, like high school teachers, which I bow down to teachers because – that work is is not as valued as it should be, and it's, it's way harder than most people give them credit for it to adjust and adapt. But I found that I love teaching, and and like that, just that idea of helping kids find their voice and, and find their power. And the All Stories Project was a way for me to do that. And I got to connect with with some some beautiful kids, and you know, by the end of it, we had people writing stuff in their native tongues, and uh, I had somebody uh, read a poem to their crush, and, and oh, <laughs> so, you man. know what I mean? It's like. Yeah. And, and I had people try new things. I had kids coming from other classes to come sit in on that. You know, I had folks who were uh, working on plays, and I was able to connect them with friends of mine who I know are teaching and film and stuff now. It was just like this beautiful synergy through all the space. And, you know, I, I went back in the spring semester to teach there again. I'll probably go back in the fall. And it's just been <sighs> branching beautiful. out yeah. so many different things. And, you know, I've gotten to teach workshops with the Greater Madison Writing Project. Um, to, to adults and you know I'll probably do some stuff with Odyssey in the fall as well so it's just like I've been branching out and getting to pass it down and letting them see what's possible I think that idea of being able to touch something is important because you see these folks who've achieved things and you're like well they're special that's why they yeah, get to yeah. do it as opposed to no nah, they're just human they're just right they just people. work and so like yeah. for me to be as somebody I've got these I've gone to all the best schools in the world I've got these two master degrees I've got this great job I've got published work I've done all this stuff and I'm just a guy yeah. Which means you can do everything I'm doing, too. And I want I like being that for them as well. If like I can uplift your voice because you see me. But when I'm looking at you, I see me. Mm, right. Yeah, and so I yeah. want to pull that out of you and get you there. And then hopefully you get there get faster than I did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. I mean? So all was a, a beautiful part of that journey. Well, Deshaun, it's been 
a serious pleasure talking with you. Um, thank you so much. Uh, any any last word before before I let you go here? Uh, yes, you know, just just stay tuned. The website, uh, I, I need to do better updating it, <laughs> so I'll, I'll get on that. But stay tuned. I'm actually uh, deep in playwriting right now, so I hope to put something on stage next year. I want to keep teaching. Um, please reach out to me if there are opportunities because I want to keep, you know, giving back and, and, and lifting up the youth. Um, and let's all just be a little nicer to each other. Like, let's make space for each other to be vulnerable, to be human, to experience the full spectrum of emotions. Right? Let's hold each other a little closer um, and, and just let people be. That's kind of the message I want to leave on. Amen. Thank you. I've been speaking with Milwaukee writer and poet Deshaun McKinney. His debut chapbook, Father Forgive Me, is available online from Black Sunflowers Poetry Press at blacksunflowerspoetry.com. You can also find more about Deshaun and his writing at DeshaunMcKinney.com. You've been listening to Madison Bookbeat, your community radio home for local authors, topics, book events, and publishers. I've been your host, Cole Erickson. Thanks to our guests this hour and to engineer Andrew Thomas. Up next, three hours of jazz with Alex Wilding White. But first, the insurgent radio kiosk. I'll catch you next month. You're listening to Community Radio. WORT 89.9 FM, Madison.